Hi everyone, I'm Carla. And I'm Iman. And you're listening to Screensaver, a podcast about all things pop culture, including TV, movies, books, and sports. In today's quick sampler episode, we'll be taking a look back at the past year to discuss and rank our favorite movies and television shows of 2015, including a few major movies we've seen since recording our last podcast. The music playing during this intro might give you a clue as to what we saw. Hint, it's Star Wars. <laughs> also, Iman and I are going to try to do the impossible. We're going to decide who won the year. It'll be fun. Stay with us. New Year's is a time in which one usually contemplates the past and speculates about the future, and being that we've seen a lot of great movies and television shows since starting this podcast, probably more than we've seen in the past few years, to be honest, Carla and I thought it'd be fun to do a short episode reflecting on all our favorite and not-so-favorite things. So we made a series of lists and thought we'd share those with you. Our first TV Top 5. Yes, I thought we could just sort of go in order, starting with number one. Great. So, number one for me, and probably for you too. Yeah, definitely. Mad Men. I put this one at number one just because I know it's so difficult to end a television series, and this show did it amazingly well. We've said it before, uh, it happened with Lost for Us, a TV show and any TV show, really, is about spending time with those characters. And I think that Mad Men had a really brilliant send-off. Yeah, I think some of those episodes toward the end were among the strongest of the entire series, so yeah. it was great to see. And this was after a few seasons that I had been kind of out on, so Mad Men, definitely number one. Number two, a completely new show. I think this is both of our contender for number one as well for us, or close number two. Mr. Robot. Definitely. I put Mr. Robot at number two because in terms of its originality, no other show compared because it was absolutely gripping in terms of its storytelling and its visual appeal. Yeah, the story itself and the way that it was being told was just unparalleled, especially on USA. We've recorded podcasts devoted to this show, but if you guys haven't checked it out by now, I would definitely recommend getting into it before there's a backlog of multiple seasons. For sure. I do think Mr. Robot, in terms of shows I would recommend to other people, is a little bit more niche than our next TV show on mm -hmm. the list. Number and three for us is Fargo. Yeah, which is interesting it's interesting that it is so high on our list, considering that I really had no interest in the first in watching the first season. I didn't watch the first season. You've seen more of it than I have. We've talked about this show as well. Uh -huh. But this, as we've said, was just a really fun show to watch. The art direction, the wardrobe, the soundtrack, it hit all the notes that we liked watching. And I also think it hit notes that just makes for good television. Where Mr. Robot, you mentioned, was a little more niche and a little more artsy. Fargo is just... A good time. Yeah. Number four, I should just mention it now, Better Call Saul. Yeah, Better Call Saul is a show that was on before we started this podcast, so we, we haven't had a chance to talk about it, but it was 
definitely one of the biggest surprises for me because I don't think anyone expected this show to be as good as it was. I remember when they first announced that they were releasing a Breaking Bad spinoff, I thought it was a horrible idea. I thought Breaking Bad is so... Its ending was so perfect that it'd be stupid to try to go and change anything. I didn't want them to sully the the Breaking Bad brand. and The they just... sanctity of Breaking Bad. <laughs> exactly. And I know that it wasn't met with overwhelmingly positive response from other fans that I had been talking with. But what was most special about it was to see how much involvement Vince Gilligan had with it and to see how seriously they were they were taking this show yeah the acting in this I think the the acting and storytelling was amazing it had its own sensibility it wasn't just a Breaking Bad remake it was a spin-off it was a great spin-off of the like Frasier-esque sorts where it takes a character and really explores that whole and what was also surprising was that it was a drama. It wasn't a, the comedy that everyone was expecting yeah. it to be. I mean, I just mentioned acting. Bob Odenkirk is a comedian, but he was an incredible actor in this. And Jonathan Banks, who plays Mike Ermintrout, Mike, Trout. Mike Ermin Trout in Breaking Bad, did he have a much larger role in this in the series. And I would say, even if you haven't, even if you have no interest in seeing Better Call Saul, if you're one of those people that's totally out on it, just watch the episode 5-0. That's the sixth episode, The sixth I think. episode of Better Call Saul. If you liked Breaking Bad, if you have any interest in the Mike character, definitely check that out. I think that was one of the best hours of television I've seen this year. One quick side note is that Carla and I would listen to the Better Call Saul Insider podcast hosted by one of the editors of the show, Kelly Dixon. I had never thought about television editing before listening to this, but listening to this week by week about the decisions she would make about which scenes to cut or how to lace in uh, audio or like mm-hmm. narrative or narration, so fascinating. It was really eye-opening and such a fun experience for any TV fan. I really recommend it. And I think that also elevated the TV watching experience for this show. Oh, for sure. It's, it was like we got a close reading of the show after every, after episode. every episode. Also, speaking of fun, number five on our list is the only major network show. Yep. Blackish. So great. It has a lot of Modern Family is probably ABC's strongest show. And it's, I mean, it's a consistent show, but Blackish mm-hmm. was a new one that came out. And it came out last year. It came out last year, but it, it, it's newer than Modern Family. It's still consistently one of the funniest shows on TV and season two is easily for me funnier than season one just the the issues that it's taken on every week gun control racism all of it 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 treats it with such levity that doesn't seem to like underplay or it doesn't seem to undermine undermine the issues but it does treat it with a way that says like all right everyone we can talk about this we can laugh about it and just Oh my gosh, there are episodes that have me laughing out loud. Which Anthony Anderson is is really great in it. And 
as is the rest of the cast. The whole cast is fantastic. And I think this is one show, I mean, ratings-wise, it's not doing as amazingly as other shows have been doing. And it's one that I think deserves to be on our list just because it's one that I'm kind of gunning for and trying to get people into because I think it's so good and it hasn't gotten as much attention as, say, like a, a new girl, which was really great, but I'm not putting it on the list, or on my list at least, because I think this one needs more support. Yeah, and I think we've talked about this before. Every show you watch can't be a gut-wrenching drama like mm-hmm. a, like a Fargo or a Mr. Robot. It's fun to have lighter shows on the side, and I think Blackish is the perfect show to to have on in the background when you're doing other stuff or just want something Definitely. to get your mind off things. Definitely. So that wraps things up in terms of television. Let's switch gears and talk about our top five, or in this case, top six movies of 2015. Carla and I are ordering on these kind of differs, but um, figured we'd split the difference. Our number one movie, Mad Max Fury Road, definitely both our number one. I... I think this might be one of my favorite movies of all time. Wow. Well, I agree. All in all, it's an absolute cinematic masterpiece. The story's plot and cinematography were just wonderful. We talked about it in our first ever episode. I think that the fact that it inspired us to start this silly podcast (laughs) probably says says enough about it. If you haven't seen it by now, please check it out. It's amazing. And Yeah, that's really all I can say about it. It's our number one. Number two, have we talked about this? Yeah, we had an entire podcast dedicated to it as well. So number two is Creed. Yep. (laughs) I think this is the movie, at least for me, the movie that I saw the most times on our list. How many times did we see it? Three times in the theaters? Yes. Wow. Yeah, it was, again, just a really great movie. I mean, we again, we recorded a podcast about this, and you can reach back and listen to that if you want us to p- hear us picking it apart, but we've been, we've been re-watching the original Rocky since, and with every new Rocky movie I see, this latest installment just feels even better. Right. Just seeing those original Rocky movies has only made me love and appreciate Creed that much more because it really is such a great example of what a franchise sequel could and should be. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we talked about it before. It, I I still absolutely love this movie. Great movie. But speaking of what uh, franchise movies can and should be, let's move on to our number three. Three, which is a movie we haven't discussed, Star Wars. The Force Awakens, we haven't talked about this movie on the podcast yet, but we'll try to be brief. It was so much fun. It really was. I didn't know what to expect going into this movie because I think no other movie had this much built-up anticipation or expectations. The hype was insane for this movie to the point where I thought it would almost make the experience somewhat, like, bitter for me because we're total hipsters, and when there's a ton of hype, I tend to think or be kind of skeptical about the movie's quality or turned off to the whole hype, but... This was one where I was I was sitting in my seat, like on the edge of my seat the whole time, hugging my knees, just like 
completely engrossed in the movie, and that's what you want from a movie-going experience. This yeah. might not this might not be the most adult movie. It might be kind of a little more kiddish in times. The storyline feels really true to the the original Star the Wars original, franchise. Yeah, and it it was just. I mean, I feel like we've used fun 70 times in this podcast already, but I'm saying it again. It was a fun movie. I really liked it. I think the casting had a large part oh. of why it was so much fun. For sure. And I I just want to say the fact that two of the major characters, Finn and Ray, mm-hmm. the fact that they were relatively unknown actors made a huge difference to me. Yeah, it it felt like they were... I mean, we hadn't... I, maybe this is different for us because we are somewhat new to the Star Wars franchise. We didn't grow up with them. So it kind of felt like having these new faces to me, it was like, oh, okay, well, I can relate to them because no one has seen them before. And the fact that, I mean, we should mention it, one character is black and the other is a young woman, to me, that was just... It was like a cherry on top. It was just kind of cool. It was great story, like in general. But the fact that they made those casting choices, it made me excited for the young, new generation of Star Wars fans that I'm sure it will create. Yeah, it's a great movie. Judging by the amount of money it's raked in, I don't think I need to be telling people to go watch it. But if you haven't, if you've been on the edge about it, I say just go watch it. It's it's fun. Yeah, do it for sure. Our um, next two movies on the list, I I kind of group them together when I think about them because they're both dealing with two very different but very difficult topics. Yeah. Number four is Spotlight. Number five, The Big Short. And they handle them in completely different ways. So very, let's start off with Spotlight. Very Number different Number four. Spotlight, I had ranked much higher in my list. Not a fun movie. It was a very heavy movie, but what this... This movie deals with the Boston Globe's handling of sex scandals within the church. Mm -hmm. That doesn't sound like a barrel of laughs. It's a very heavy topic, but the way that the movie approached it so delicately... Mm -hmm. And it didn't, it never felt like it was taking advantage of the graphic nature of the content. It really focused on making it a story about the journalists that were uncovering this scandal and the commitment that those journalists had. It never sensationalized anything more than maybe the anger of some journalists at finding this stuff. But the pacing, the, as a movie, it was really great. The pacing was great. It, I don't want to say it was entertaining, but it really was. In it was the way captivating. That it was, yeah, so suspenseful in a way that I wasn't expecting. Yeah, I went into it with not, I mean, I went into it thinking, okay, this is going to be a quality movie. It has a, Michael Keaton is in it, Mark Ruffalo is in it, uh, Rachel McAdams. I mean, it's a star-studded cast, but man, it, they did an amazing job, and I, I would definitely recommend checking it out. I think this is the first movie in our list that's far and away a huge Oscar contender. Yeah, I think that's a good way to describe it. It's probably not one of those movies that you're rushing in buying your midnight tickets for, but after I left, I think one of the things I kept repeating was this movie felt important. And I think that it 
Yeah, it was it was just quality Oscar contender movie and not in a way that felt snooty at all. It just felt like an important movie and I would recommend it to anyone that has any vague curiosity and like those sort of like hard hitting news issues. So transitioning a little bit, let's go to number five on our list, The Big Short, which is a movie dealing mainly with the housing mortgage crisis of 2008. Another heavy issue, but I don't think you could find two movies less alike in tone. The Mm -hmm. Big Short, I went into it with zero expectations. I just thought, okay, Christian Bale's in it, so I'm going to watch it because I love Christian Bale. But it has a huge, again, a very star-studded cast. It has Brian Gosling, Brad Pitt, Christian Christian Bale, Bale, and Steve Carell. Yeah, and all of them, man, this movie was so, again, another, like, just joy to watch. It was, or not joy, but it was <laughs> it was really easy to watch. And it took issues that it knew were really complex, and instead of, while Spotlight found a really unique angle to approach a really heavy issue, this one did the same, but it treated it mostly with comedy. Mm-hmm. They had light moments where... Maybe there would be a lot of finance-heavy terminology or whatever, and they would just have a character maybe turn to the screen and say, all right, I know none of us get what this guy's talking about, so let me explain it to you. Yeah, I thought that was really clever. It was. It maintained such a light tone for such a heavy topic, and I think that the way that it was able to balance that without ever trivializing what was going on was really impressive. The way that they pulled this off and made guys that ended up really rich at the end of this... Not feel like heroes, but we didn't hate them completely. I mean, everyone was... The the characters were human, the issues were human, and it did gesture towards the tragedy of the financial crisis. the people who were being impacted. So it just... It was a really well-rounded movie with great comedic undertones. One of the biggest criticisms this movie has had is that it's very bro-y. For lack of a better description, would you agree with that description? Because it is male-centric, just like Wall Street tends to be. I think if you're a person that is reading the world through, like, a victimized lens, yeah, you might see this movie as kind of bro-y because there are a lot of bros in it. But I don't think that the movie is doing anything harmful. In its depiction. I mean, I know that there's one critic that we both listened to that was criticizing a scene with a woman in a bathtub. Mm-hmm. I think that that movie, the movie was almost making fun of that trope. It did, To me, it didn't feel like the woman was being objectified in a way that maybe in like Wolf of Wall Street or something there was the same criticism. I think because the movie kept such a light tone to it and was kind of making a mockery of a lot of the stuff that was going on, it didn't feel harmful. So I won't agree with those criticisms per se. But um, Yeah, I agree. I would never hold that against this movie. It was a fun experience, even though the, the subject matter was really disturbing at times. It was, yeah, and it was really educational to me. I learned a ton while watching it without ever feeling like it got bogged down in the heavy subject matter. We did add a number six to this, Man from Uncle, a movie that probably didn't do that well in box box office. office, Uh It didn't do that well in Rotten Tomatoes, but for some reason it stuck to Carla and I and we 
loved it. We bought the DVD, we watched it several times, and it... We had originally, I mean, we mentioned this in our Comic-Con episode, it, this was actually a, a big surprise for Carla. I was really excited about this movie, I thought that the, the, the soundtrack was great. I mean, we've recorded a podcast on it, but yes. it was such I a remember saying surprise. on that episode that I thought this movie would be really boring, and never have I been so happy to be so wrong. <laughs> I think one of my, also another big surprise was... How much I loved Army Hammer's performance. Oh, for sure. For being the guy that I just knew was, oh, he was from the Lone Ranger remake. Oh, it was really bad. He was oh, kind man. of let's, let's just a Hollywood disgrace. Yeah. <laughs> I loved him in this movie, and I would say that this is one. I wanted it on the list because it flew under the radar for so many people. And, I mean, if you guys are, are friends, which you probably are if you're listening to this, and you know us and you know our taste, I would... And if you trust it at all, yeah, I would check it out. It's it's worth watching. It's a fun spy movie. Shifting from our favorites, uh, we just want to do a, a really quick few minutes just for for biggest letdowns because I feel like there were enough where we should maybe mention them. Yeah, I mean, this was there were a lot of really great movies and great TV shows, but there were also some that kind of missed the mark for us. Yeah, and I think it's not to not to be total downers, but I mean, it's it's worth mentioning because I think that these might have been letdowns for other people too. First on our list, we had a podcast about this as well, Jurassic World. Yeah, I mean, especially looking back at it in comparison to all the other movies we've mm-hmm. seen since not that great. I think it suffered because of the hype. A lot of people had thought this is going to revamp, it's going to revitalize the franchise, and it just fell short of doing that. I I think a big part of that was just bad writing. Yeah. Chris Pratt did an amazing job. He was fun to watch, but he didn't have much to work with. And I think that... Compared to the year he had in 2014... With with Guardians of the Galaxy? And even the Lego movie... Both great movies. I think this was just kind of him being a poor man's Harrison Ford because the writing wasn't there. And I think this movie stands as maybe an example of what Star Wars thankfully wasn't. Mm -hmm. And if they do make sequels in the future, I mean, I hope that maybe they'll get different writers or anything. But moving on. Another disappointment... Pains me to say it, but the late show with Stephen Colbert. Okay, I have to fully admit, I haven't seen more than five episodes, and maybe that, maybe that's it. Maybe he settled into it, and if he has, if he's gained a following and he's doing great, I, I'm so happy to hear that because I love Stephen Colbert. But the show, what I saw, I mean, it. Of course, it's probably still trying to find its legs, but I didn't like it that much. I think everything about the show that is similar to the Colbert Report in terms of just riffing on the news is Mm -hmm. still great, and I still love him as a person. But the biggest difference between his new show and his old show is that it just seems like there's so much filler. Yeah. I don't know... It's, this is probably me projecting, but a lot of the time when I was watching, I just kept thinking, like, oh, I wish this wasn't on a network. Because it felt like a lot of it was being, like... Controlled by the higher-ups. Yeah, definitely. But, I mean, uh, if I hear otherwise, if you guys feel differently about it, please let us know. I want to hear that this 
that that's, that this got better. Yeah, and I'm ready to give it a second chance for sure. But in terms of 2015, it was kind of a letdown. Moving on to number three, True Detective. This was a letdown for everyone. I couldn't finish season one, which everyone had loved, and I thought I'd give it another chance for season two. Yeah, we were a little bit more excited about it. It takes place in L.A. Yeah, a uh, different Great cast. cast. Um, uh-huh. Never have I seen as humorless a show as this one, and I think this really highlights why Fargo is so great, because it maintains a sense of humor, whereas True Detective, my god, I could not stand this show. If you feel differently, don't talk to me. I don't care. (laughs) I did not like this show at all. It was fun to watch just to make fun of to a certain point. I'm being as open as I am because I know HBO and any of the stars of this do not care or listen to this. But still, I mean, it just... Yeah. It was really difficult to watch. It was difficult to and watch. And we did give it a good try. I gave it a solid chance and I just never watched the finale. But anyway, on to an actual, an actual letdown that's not mean of us. A nicer letdown because we loved it so much. Yeah, the Grantland shutdown. Okay, so one of our favorite websites, Grantland Run, as a offshoot of ESPN, was shut down, and it was one of our go-to favorite places for all things sports and pop culture. Really great writing. There we From had Bill Simmons, Bill and Simmons, his Wesley Morris, rotating Lambert, Papadimus, cast there, of writers, yeah. uh, Andy Greenwald, Chris Ryan also had a really fantastic podcast network. This was a disappointment to, I know you and Afshan, you guys were bigger fans than I was, but for myself, just because it was the last time that we would see this collection of really great internet writers in the same place. they were all so young. They were all really young. They were always offering really fresh, fun takes on news or generating news, be it analyses of Nicki Minaj Instagram photos or (laughs) interviews interviews with the president. president. And that's just one writer. So (laughs) Grantland, rest in peace. This last letdown is probably going to be hotly contested as well. Um, But for me... Gotta say, Aziz Ansari's Netflix show, Master of None. I'm not sure I would call it a letdown. It was just a lot more forgettable than I thought it would be. Yeah. I think this might be, for me, kind of like the the boyhood effect, where I feel like there's something wrong with me because I'm not enjoying this show. But I will say, Master of None, two big problems I had with it. The girlfriend was a manic pixie dream girl, and... As you've said, you could see the writing. It felt a lot like one of Aziz's stand-up bits. I loved his book this year. I think this was Modern actually... Modern Romance. You're mentioning Modern Romance, and that's interesting to me because I think that's why it fell a little short for us because mm-hmm. we already read the book, so Very it true. felt like it was a television adaptation of a book we already read. So nothing felt really new in terms of... The messages it was trying to share. I hadn't thought about that, and that's a really good point, because we have seen all his stand-up. We have seen him in Parks and Rec. We have seen... We've read the book. So I think this is one one TV show where I think underexposure to Zizan Sari would have been really beneficial. It was interesting to see how much of a personal project it was for Aziz, the fact that his own parents are playing his own parents in this show. Yeah. So that was really fun to watch but aside from that the acting in general is 
Yeah. Was pretty bad. Yeah. So I think we should probably be clear in saying that this is like at the end of our list of letdowns. It's because it's a little soft letdown. It was a letdown for us. But I will say I was super impressed with like the fact that, yeah, it was a very normal show about people of color. That's very cool. Mm -hmm. And this leads us to our 2015 Hall of Fame leaderboard, a list of our favorite people. And I will put Aziz Ansari on this list. Oh, definitely. He had an amazing year. His book, his TV show might have not been our cup of tea, but a lot of people loved it. And he's been writing tons of articles for different magazines and newspapers. He's been on several podcasts I've listened to. Aziz Ansari is having a fantastic year, and I'm really excited to see what 2016 brings him. Other people on our 2015 Hall of Fame, uh, we mentioned Mr. Robot. I'm going to put Rami Malek on there. Or Rami Malek, excuse me. Uh, yeah. He's been in a lot of TV shows, actually. I mean, you said we hadn't seen him. I had seen him in shows, but that's because I watch random shows like The Pacific. He was in The Master as well, but he's never oh, had... Uh-huh. Yeah, he's never had uh, a lead role, and I think it was it was really fun to get to watch him kind of chew on that. Another person on my list was Michael Pena. Michael we talked- Pena. We love Michael Pena. He <laughs> we was talked an about him a lot on our podcast in previous episodes. He was in both Ant-Man and The Martian. Yep. He had phenomenal in both. He had a great year. Michael Pena is perfect. Moving on. Um, <laughs> I would ask uh, add we mentioned Star Wars. Uh Oscar Isaac I know was on your list. Yeah. It seems like in recent weeks, he's been blowing up in terms of social yeah, media. The Tumblr sphere. Everyone <laughs> loves Oscar Isaac. In more of a retrospective view, John Hamm definitely makes 2015 just because he wrapped up one of the great American television shows, Mad Men. Playing one of the most iconic television characters Ever. in recent years. Yeah. And he finally won his Emmy, so I thought he had to be on this list. Yes, very exciting. I guess we're going to finish off with our two possible contenders for who won the year. Um, my contribution is Trevor Noah. Yes, I love this pick. Yeah, Trevor Noah, the selected as the host for The Daily Show, I am voting for him as winning the year because, man, what a 180. As... Everyone probably knows by now, earlier in the year, Jon Stewart announced that he wasn't going to be returning to, or he was going to be retiring from The Daily Show. And a few weeks later, it was announced that Trevor Noah would be taking over. And as the internet does, it read through his Twitter backlog, found some pretty tasteless jokes. Mm -hmm. And man, the internet swarmed on him and was saying that he shouldn't be the host, that it was going to be a, a terrible choice. Going from all that to the actual premiere of the show, I have never, I haven't laughed out loud at The Daily Show in such a long time. And for the first solid week of the show, I was laughing out loud every night. I, his confidence, his comfort, I, I have just been so impressed. He also had, uh, I guess this is fodder for his winning the year, but he also had um, a stand-up special that was on Netflix. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. A lot of, I mean, he just seems like such a sweet guy. And I think the for me, the fact that it came out of that 180, going from me personally thinking, why are they choosing this guy, to being completely charmed and excited about him, I mean... Yeah, I'm. 
he had a great year, and again, I'm excited to see what this year brings him. Oh, I agree. My contender for who won the year also has a bit of a rags-to-riches background in the sense that he was in both one of the worst movies of the year and also arguably one of the best, Michael B. Jordan. I think, (laughs) for me, this was the year in which Michael B. Jordan solidified himself as an A-list actor who could do anything. He had been in Fruitvale Station. He was in TV for a long time. This year, it just proved that he he has the acting. Yeah, that he is a star. And if you ask me on this list, who are you most excited about in terms of where they're going to go in the future, I'd say Michael B. Jordan is really high up there on that list. Yeah, I think it's been just, I mean, looking... A great year for yeah. a lot of people, but I think these two people, Trevor Noah, Michael B. Jordan, are are the ones we're gunning for the most. And I, I also think we should mention a lot of people of color on our list. Yeah, I didn't even think about it. Maybe we're biased as people of color, but... <laughs> Honestly, it's, I think this is just really excitingly reflective of movements in Hollywood. I mean, I think that there's, are just demographics in the U.S. I think that we're diversifying, uh, I mean, populations and pop culture is reflecting it. And that's really exciting. Yeah, I think that's a good note to end on. This has been a really... Great year. I mean, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we've seen more movies this year than we probably had in the past five years combined. That might be because of our new mantra, do it for the pod. But um, <laughs> no, I think it's it's just been really fun to participate in these conversations. Oh, definitely. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. You can find us on social media if you want to follow us there. We on have a Facebook page, Screensaver Podcast, and at Twitter, screensaver, S-A-V-O-R, pod. Yeah. All right. Well, we're looking forward to a lot more great TV in the future. Yeah. Happy watching. Bye. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye.